We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on, man? Happy uh, Tuesday to you. Not much. I am uh, preparing to uh, to kind of go away for a weekend, turn the phone off. Uh, we're going up to a place in Oklahoma. I don't know if you've heard of this place. Uh, it's called Carlton Landing. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Maybe some of our listeners have. It's supposed to be some sort of just kind of fun little town. We rented a house up there. Um, so yeah, where is it? I don't, I don't totally know. My wife did all the all the research. <laughs> Carlton uh, Landing. Carlton Landing. I think it's like far east Oklahoma, uh, or maybe like south southeast Oklahoma. I don't know, but supposed to be pretty cool. We've had friends that have visited there. Uh, just kind of a fun little town. I think it's like on a lake. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting away from the, the Twitter and the internet for a while. Yeah, that must be nice. I'm going to be working the entire time. <laughs> uh, this took me to like Nova Scotia, Ron Carlton. I, I, I wish, I wish that's where we were going. <laughs> uh, that wasn't very good. I'm trying to figure out, uh, it's close to Lake Eufaula. So I go. get it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I'm excited. Should be fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, OSU had a big basketball game over the weekend. Let's talk a little bit about that. They hosted uh, Wichita State. Played pretty well for the most part. Gave Wichita State some trouble. It was uh, kind of a, really a microcosm of what's wrong with college basketball these days. It's just not very, just not a very good product. Yeah. But the game was close, yeah. and I thought uh, Mike Boynton and his team played pretty well for the most part. Yeah, I did too. I, I, I'm curious as to whether people left that game feeling discouraged or encouraged about the Oklahoma state basketball team, because on one hand you lose to a team that you beat last year and you lose to them by 12 points. And it wasn't really that close. I I don't think anybody that, that watched the whole thing thought, but on the other hand, your only two losses this year have come to like top eight teams, you know, and, and, and Oklahoma state's played a weird schedule. So, so far I was looking at, the Ken Palm rankings and their seven wins are against teams that are all outside the top 150, and their two losses are against teams that are inside the top six on Ken Palm. So it's like Oklahoma State might be pretty good. They just have played the wrong teams. I, I, what was your feeling in terms of leaving that game? Were you encouraged or discouraged by the way Oklahoma State played? Oh, I was encouraged just that you know they competed and they made life pretty tough on Wichita State. But I, I am a little discouraged with just the overall talent level of OSU, um, specifically inside. Now, maybe the the SEMA kid from St. John's will, will give him a big boost. I, don't, I have no idea. I've never seen him play. But uh, a few of their inside guys, I just – I was a little down on. And, yeah. Uh, so, twofold. I mean, one, I, I thought it was an encouraging performance, but I do think with how good the Big 12 is, I think they could be in for a long year. Yeah, I agree. You know, Gottlieb tweeted about this, and and I, I agree with him. And, and we all knew that losing Jawan Evans was going to be a big blow, but I don't know. The, their point guard play it just is it, it's it's inconsistent. You know what they've gotten from Kendall Smith and and Brandon Everett's been been terrific as a backup, but there's only so much. You know, his talent level is only so high, and so I think what you see is you, you know games in which. Maybe those guys aren't performing as well. Jeffrey Carroll struggles because you're not, you know, you, you can sort of double him. And it's just, I, it's it's going to be a rough year. I mean, the the, the uh, team with the worst winning percentage so far in the Big 12 this year is Texas. And they're 6-2 and two with losses to Duke and Gonzaga. 
I mean, it's going to be just every game is going to be insane in the Big 12. And my boy's got a, got a long road ahead of him. Um, wh- what do you think about his sort of back and forth and relationship with, with uh, Gallagher-Iba uh, so far this year? Because he tweeted kind of uh, that he was – he didn't say these words, but he implied that he was a little disappointed with the crowd. And then he grabbed the microphone on Saturday after the game and said, you know, you guys keep coming out. We need you and, and whatever. What, what do you think that's going to be like for the rest of the year? Oh, I mean, it is what it is. I really don't care. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he needs to worry about coaching basketball, not worrying about who's in the stands. I think, I think, you know, winning takes care of everything. Now, I can yeah. understand its frustration. Sure, I mean, that was a big game. Um, you know, I can understand it's discouraging when you walk into your own arena and it's empty. Yeah. And those are things that are completely out of Mike Boyne's control. The only thing in his control is winning games. So I, I just I'm indifferent to him talking about the fans. I'm indifferent to what type of crowd shows up. I mean, if you want to go to a college basketball game, go. If you don't, that's fine with me too. I I think the again I think I still think the administration has told the fans they don't care about basketball. Yeah. So why why should they? Yeah. I agree with you about um, the interior, although I, I will say, going back to the to the Wichita State game, Mitchell Solomon is pretty good. You know, I, I, don't, I know that, I know that uh, Wichita State is not, you know, a Texas A&M in terms of their, their big men, but they're also like the number three team in the country right now. And he had a career high, played great, um, but he's sort of the only guy they've got on, on the inside. And uh, that's, you know, as we saw in the Travis Ford era, that's not going to get it done in the Big 12. I was getting some uh, Brett Robish vibes from him. <laughs> Brett. Not just because not just because of the uniforms, which we'll talk about later. But yeah. uh, do you remember Brett Robish? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He was good. Yeah. He was really good. That's a player that has kind of been lost in the OSU lore because he was a transfer from Illinois. He was the... The inverse Brad Underwood, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he was a really good player, and they looked pretty similar too. So, yeah, I thought Mitchell Solomon played well. I think he's turning into a very reliable player. Why in the world does Jeffrey Carroll not start, and why in the world does he play 17 minutes? I know he got maybe some foul trouble. Was that it? Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a question that we've been talking about a lot recently because the first couple games that he came back and didn't start, you sort of understood it, like just trying to work him in. And now, now he's like six games in, seven games into his season, and you're like, wait, wait, wait a second, isn't this guy the the like supposed to be the Big Twelve Player of the Year? I I don't I I'm with you. I, oh, I, especially on a team that doesn't have just a whole lot of talent. This yeah. guy should be playing forty minutes or close to it. Yeah, I, I don't 35 know. Thirty five minutes, like uh, Solomon did. Did Did you see what uh, Boynton said afterwards about? He said, um, you know, this team is really tired, and if we had to play on Monday, Mitchell, I don't know if Mitchell Solomon would be able to go. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't see that. I was like, they're playing thirty games. Like, it, he wouldn't be able to go. What does that mean? I, like, it was. It was kind of an odd thing, and they just uh, started. The season literally just started. Yeah, I, I know. It's not the Big Twelve tournament where they had to play four games in a row. It was kind of it was kind of strange, and like the the I don't know, I don't know. They, like they play great defense, but sometimes the conditioning. I'm like, well, why isn't Jeffrey Carroll playing more? What it, is Devon Dillard in shape? Like, there's just. I don't know. I've had some questions about like how conditioned they are for. I mean, if you're if you can't play 
if you can't do it now, like what, what are you going to do in the Big Twelve? You know. Well, and Devon Dillard played three minutes. Like, yeah. here, here's how you solve that, Mike. Play your dudes. <laughs> like, give them some rest. Yeah. Like, to me, Dillard and Carroll were their two best players last year, or two of the better players last year besides Evans. Yeah. And they don't even play. Now, maybe that's a discipline thing with Dillard, but there's no excuse for Carroll to play 17 minutes. Other than, did he in, was he in foul trouble? Like, the game was several yeah. days ago, and I've lost. S- sort of, but he's, I mean, I think he's not starting like that's sort of the main point, isn't it? Like, right. And, and I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a good point and a, and a fair question. And, you know, maybe, maybe one that will be asked over the next week or so of, of Mike Boynton. Um, another guy that was kind of quietly good and has been quietly good for most of the season is Tavares shine. He had, yeah. he had a career high. He had 20. He He's sort of, and this is sort of what I've been saying for the last few years about Oklahoma state basketball is like, he's a great like sixth guy or like a, I don't know, somewhere in that range, fifth guy, seventh guy or whatever. Problem for Oklahoma state is he's like their second guy or like their third guy, something like that. And so uh, it's fun that he's good. I'm glad for him that he's good, but it, it, it's not, it's not indicative. I don't think of a great, uh, of, of the state of a great basketball program right now in Stillwater. Yeah. I think they got a lot of, a lot of those type guys, not enough Jawan Evans is, although I, th- I do think Jeffrey Carroll, he's the leading scorer in the Big 12. But uh, the other guy you were going crazy about was Lindy Waters. I, I love like Lindy. him. I love him. He's fantastic. Another doesn't guy. He look, doesn't he look like the guy that you that would show up at the Colvin that you would kind of <laughs> underestimate and he just kicks your tail up and down the floor? You're like, what? This guy must have played somewhere. Yeah. He, you're like, he's very deceptive. You're like, how, how much does he weigh? And then he's got like. He, he like wins a game single-handedly at the, he's, at the sh- he's shooting from 40 feet and just dribbling through your legs i love i love his release i feel like he knows like what he, he i feel like he's got really good uh just kind of spatial awareness and basketball like a high basketball iq he just always mm-hmm. like knows like what to do and and he, and he was like that as a freshman even you know he had he had that he had a moment in uh in norman against ou um, I love him. I, I think he can be a really good role player at, you know, but again, like, is, is he going to be your, is he your number one guy? I mean, he might, he might be next year and that's not a, that's not a great thing. I don't feel like. Sounds like you're pretty down on the team. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not down. I just, it, it's just, the big 12 is hard, man. You know, like it's just, it's difficult because you gotta have, you gotta have Jawan Evans is to compete, you know? Well, and that's, and that's where I kind of think, uh, Smith, Kendall Smith hasn't quite, I think he's better than he's shown. Yeah. And I, I think I'm waiting for him to kind of find his footing, uh, at, at OSU. I mean, he kind of has the look of a, maybe an all conference type point guard just has the look, has the skill, has the game more so than, than a Lindy waters right now. He's, Cause he's a senior. He's, he's more, yeah. more seasoned. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll be a key for them moving forward. Yeah. No, I, I'm not down. They just, they're just several pieces away, it feels like. And, you know, I think they're going to upset some teams this year just based on the way they play defense. Um, but, again, the question for the entire year, as we knew going in, is going to be who's going to score? You know, where, where are points going to come from? And the dagger in all of this is that apparently Trey Young is the best player in the country, and and he, <laughs> and he could be – you know, feasibly could have been uh, in Stillwater this year. And it's been, uh, that's been pretty rough to, to have to watch him just lighting up 
USC and Oregon and all these all these different teams that OU's played so far. I mean, it's not like he was going to OSU. Well, they were in the they're in the mix. Mm, were they? they? They were the yeah. He had the he had the hats on the table. It was OSU, OU, and Kansas. I think. Well, he's got to put some hats on the table. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone thought he was going to OSU. Yeah, it's just. Uh, but they do have their Baker Mayfield in basketball. Yeah, so. it's rough. I hate it. I hate it all. Uh, let's talk. <laughs> he's uni- he's really good. Yeah, let's talk uniforms, Carson. Let's. Oh, let's, I need to get my mind right. Let's get more. Let's let's get some optimism flowing in here. Let's get to this week's uniform review, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Carson, where were you at and what was going through your, through your mind when you realized that Oklahoma state on Saturday was going to wear not only the curse of Cowboys, but the full shorts, the, the full, uh, uniform from the late nineties and early two thousands. Oh, take me back to 2000. <laughs> oh. My phone, uh, I got a tweet from someone that, that sent me the, the video from Jeffrey Carroll's Snapchat. Yeah, or he was filming the entire uniform, and uh, you know how when you like you leave your phone in your car or out in the the golf cart and it's hundred degrees outside and it just says like your phone is overheated, go cool it down. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't work. I, I got that notification. <laughs> I literally couldn't use my phone for like ten minutes because my phone was overheated with the uh, curse of cowboys. I mean, it was my favorite. That's that's my favorite uniform OSU's ever worn any sport. Uh, it's not close. And I was stunned they actually did the shorts, too. I thought that was perfection. Because, you know, like you said on the last podcast, well, they've done the Curse of Cowboys before. And, and yeah, they have. But it wasn't the full-on 2000, 2001 Desmond Doug uniforms. Even d- right down to the numerals, which yep. were exceptional. Yeah. It, so was abs- it was absolutely perfect. And they need to wear those every home game. I don't yeah. care how many... Yeah, never, never, never go to to anything else. Like, the, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen? They're just gonna they're gonna start trolling you in basketball now too, and go back to the to the uh, teal the teal unis again. I'm, I'm I might need yelling guy to wander onto the court <laughs> and demand they stop the game if they have teal. Which I, I haven't heard from yelling guy. I don't know if he quit going to games or what. No, I, I think I got he, a few tweets saying he hadn't been there. I think he was there on Saturday. I thought I heard. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah, yeah I'm I, sure you did. I think so. Um, I was working, so I didn't get to watch it as closely as I normally do. But uh, the teal's got to go. I mean, surely they're done with that now. <laughs> they're past November. But uh, no, I mean, didn't you think that they absolutely nailed it with yeah. the cursive? Yeah, it was great. The only thing I went back and looked at the old ones. I think that on the old ones, the the black like a, a, on the bottom of the shorts wrapped around to the back, um, yeah. and it cut off this time. Doesn't matter. Like that's such a that's such a small thing. But that that was the only thing that looked a little bit different. Uh, and then also the uh, trim on the tops on the old ones, it was like stripes, and this one it was yeah. solid. It was solid black. I think I might like the solid black even better. Um, I don't know. If you go back and look, the, the stripes really pop. Yeah. Like go p- Google up old pictures of Doug and Desmond. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. But all that to say, they killed it. It was magnificent. Um, 
could, I mean, it is just a job well done by by Oklahoma State in the uniform. Um, I don't I don't think the shorts wrap all the way around based on my Google research. In uh, in two thousand, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think they, I think they nailed it. And yeah. is Chris is going to carry those shorts? Because I know what I want for Christmas. <laughs> like that's going to be the hottest gift for Christmas time, isn't it? I'll I'll email my contact at Chris's and maybe he'll get back to me by the end of this podcast. So I, I maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have an answer for you by the end of the podcast. Okay. Um, I know I want those. I want them in black. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe even the orange alternates that Doug used to wear. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, Cam McGriff was rocking the short shorts. So it was like full on throwback. Yeah. I loved yeah, it. Totally. Um, Okay, we are going to call, uh, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to call Adam Lunt, friend of the podcast, friend of the blog, contributor of the blog, to the blog. Um, by the way, before we get to this, I, I just want to be clear. I'm not like, I'm not be downgrading the basketball team. I, I just I just think they have a lot of issues and that they're going to struggle. It's nothing that we didn't think, uh, I think, for, for most of the year. Yeah, sounds like you're scared to get some blowback from your previous comments. No, I just I just wanted to clarify. Um, well, I mean, we need, neither one of us think they're going to, you know, win the Big Twelve. I think we both think they're going to struggle to make the tournament. I don't think that's unfair. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to call Adam Lunt. Uh, he's been on before. Had really good feedback from his podcast before. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk to him about the football season, uh, the a little bit about the NFL draft, and just what he. Uh, just what he watched this year from from Oklahoma State football. It's time for the Coop Ale Works Guest of the Week. Coop Ale Works, bringing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Ale Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Okay, let's call Adam. This is Adam. Adam Lunt. Hey. What's up, man? On? How's it going? Oh, it's going. Just got done doing some uh, Christmas shopping on Amazon. Took me about thirty minutes total, so that's a big win. Do they do they have <laughs> the uh, do they have the throwback Oklahoma State basketball shorts on Amazon? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think my my parents are interested in those. So, uh, <laughs> I, I or my wife. So I I I did not give that a look, but uh, uh, I may have to do that after we're done. So, <laughs> Carson, go ahead. Well, do I do I get to ask him just about Willie Taggart and Florida State football? Yeah, the time? you guys, that, can, you, you guys can commiserate about about FSU. Well, com- commiserate? They're about to take off. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's going to be the Jimbo's the old big, news. The biggest ten day signing day close in in signing day history, right? Or yeah, I guess gonna, eight days or nine days. So <laughs> he's going to make he's going to make Gundy's class look like it's from the Mac. So. <laughs> On Twitter, they're saying they're a thousand percent committed to Tribe 18. So not a hundred percent, a thousand. There you go. There you go. So uh, where do, where do you want to start, Adam? You want to talk about uh, Mason Rudolph's uh, pro prospects? I know you do a lot of film breakdowns and stuff. Just people seem to be all over the map on Mason. I mean, I, I I've always kind of thought you know second, maybe first round, but after watching him this year, I, I'd find it hard to believe he'll go in the first. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talked before, um, back in like August, September, it was, it was, you know, a lot of people were hyping him, you know, pretty early in the draft, and and, and it's weird. The, you know, I stay in touch with kind of the draft community pretty pretty closely, and because um, it's kind of a personal hobby of mine, and 
And man, there's people that absolutely hate Mason Rudolph as a prospect. And, uh, and then there's a lot of people that, you know, that really appreciate him for who he is. So it's, I, I think one thing that, that we need to keep in mind, and this goes for Baker Mayfield too, is, you know, it only takes a handful of teams that like you to be able to draft you high. So, um, you know, if you don't have to impress all 32 general managers, it's, it's really about, yeah. you know, impressing a, a, a select few that, that have that need, you know, at that particular time. So, um, but you know, it's, you go back and forth when you're watching him play because, you know, you look at the box scores and his stats are insane. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're able to kind of break down the way he plays, sometimes there's some frustrating plays and, and things that kind of leave you shaking your head as well. So, um, you know, I go back and forth with him literally by the hour. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I was just I was just actually writing today my kind of five takeaways from the year. And I did the exact same thing you're talking about. I, I, I wrote that he wasn't really who I thought he was going to be in his senior year. And yet I went back and looked at the numbers and it was, it was staggering. I mean, he has a he has an opportunity in the bowl game to become the first non-Texas Tech player to throw for 5,000 yards in a year in the Big 12, which is just it's unbelievable. And yet it, it still felt kind of disappointing at times. Did you, did you walk away with that as well? I mean, I feel like he played really well this season. Like he met my expectations as a player. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, I try to <laughs> – I try my best at least to stay as grounded as possible, you know, in regards to expectations. I mean, not try not to buy in too much. Um, you know, I think when you watch like the pit game, I mean, he was incredible. Um, you know, and, and there's some individual instances he can pick out in his game that he really got better this year. Um, you know, kind of some unscheduled plays moving around in the pocket. Um, but then you watch like, for example, the second and third quarter of the K state game and, and he was, he was awful. Um, and there was a lot of throws in that game that, that aren't him. I mean, he makes consistently, um, you know, consistent accuracy in, in certain areas and he was just bad. Um, and you know, I mean, people have bad games. It is what it is, but, um, I think what I came away from this season, if I can kind of summarize it in a few words was, um, was Mason Rudolph is a really good quarterback, but he has um, he has bad like inconsistency. Even on his consistent areas, he's inconsistent. If that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of what I took away from this this year. What uh, what teams would you think would he would be a good fit for in the NFL? Well, I mean, everyone. So uh, you know, in, in the off season last year, everyone was talking about you know, hey, throwing deep and. And, and that's his calling card. And, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, I agree with that. But, you know, when you really dive into the, you know, to the data and, and actually look at it, I think he's he's good throwing deep, but but not great. I mean, a lot of, I think, OSU's receivers are really good at coming back and getting the ball. Um, you're not necessarily going to see that type of flexibility in the NFL where, um you know, frankly, uh, the coverage is just going to be a lot better. Um, you know, cornerbacks are going to be looking back towards the ball and you're not going to be, you know, afforded that luxury, um, to be able to underthrow receivers as much as Mason Rudolph does. So, um, you know, I, I think the, what I would answer to that question would be, uh, an offensive coordinator that is going to, because, you know, we've talked about it in the Slack chat about how, um, 
you know, he's prone to misreads and, and, and not necessarily digest things as fast as he can. A lot of that has to do with, frankly, the offense that Oklahoma State runs. So I don't necessarily know if there's one that I would point out, but I would say someone that's patient, someone that can give him a year or two to go in and, and, and you know, be able to understand, you know, how defenses work and, and um, you know, how a more complex offense works. Um, and, and someone that's not just going to throw him into the fire in the beginning, because I think that could be that could be disastrous for him. You know, I mean, look at a guy like Nathan Peterman for the Bills, and he throws five interceptions and in, like the first quarter and a half he plays. And Mason Rudolph's way better than Peterman, but you know, it's going to be hard to recover for, from that. And uh, you know, in his case, so uh, I would say someone that has patience <laughs> would be my my recommendation. I, I think so. the 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 question that a lot of people are curious about and. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it is just whether he will go higher or lower than, than Baker Mayfield. It, it feels like there's been this sort of shift the last half of the, of the college football season, even amongst a lot of the, the, the draft community, as you mentioned earlier, that, that Mayfield's a, a legit like big time prospect and, and, and maybe in a way that he wasn't a year ago or two years ago, and I'm just curious about why that shift. I know, I mean, he sort of seems like the same player to me as he was last year, but and, and just whether he kind of surpassed uh, Rudolph uh, in in terms of where he'll go in the draft. Well, I think it really came down to people analyzing Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's game for what it is. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, have the the tendency to look at physical traits and then they they discount people for what it is and you know you think okay so you got mason rudolph 6'5 230 you know looks like the most prototypical quarterback ever um and then baker mayfield what six foot six one um actually pretty stocky you know i think he's 210 215 220 and you know you're like oh well he's not an nfl quarterback but when you look at it baker mayfield has a stronger arm than rudolph um baker mayfield's more accurate and consistent than Rudolph. So I think, you know, I don't know if it was just people finally realizing that, Hey, he's shorter, but this kid can play at a high level, even at the next level as well. And another thing too is, is, I mean, his downfield accuracy is, is, is elite. I mean, it is incredible how accurate he is consistently really at all levels, but specifically, um, down the field, which is what Rudolph was praised for um, a lot for. But I think when you break it down, um, Mayfield just much better in those areas than he is. So uh, I think when you beat someone over the head enough, they finally realize like, hey, you know, this guy can play at the next level. And I think that happened this year where, you know, I mean, he's just putting in putting up ridiculous stats and and people. I think the more modern people are like, hey, we're willing to to look at him as a religious prospect. But, you know, if you get those guys that those GMs that have been doing this for 40 years, like I still think they're going to look for the Mason Rudolph types where the big, big quarterbacks can stand in the pocket and take a hit. Um, but that I don't necessarily have like a specific pinpoint reason, but I would say people finally just opened their eyes and <laughs> started watching him play versus just reading, you know, his player profile and his height. Yeah. I mean, May- Mayfield has forced the NFL to make him a first round pick. I mean, Adam Schefter came out this week, Kyle, and said that he guarantees you that, that Mayfield's going in the first round. That's what he's hearing from, from prospect from uh, NFL teams. So I'd be stunned if he didn't go before, before Rudolph. But uh, now that Rudolph's moving on, Adam, 
There's a guy in your neck of the woods named Spencer Sanders who people are, are fired up about. What have you seen from him, and do you think he can step in and be the guy from from day one? Well, it's it's kind of funny. I, we were we were talking about this before about how I think his game, um, you know, reminds me a little bit of, of Mayfield. He, um, I think Mayfield's certainly more of a um, you know, polished passer and, and actually Sanders may be a little bit more dynamic in, in the run game. But, um, you know, I've watched a lot of film and I mean, he can play, uh, you know, I, it's amazing. I've been kind of casually tracking, you know, his stats from week to week. And I swear, like the, the bar for him is five touchdowns. Like if he doesn't throw five <laughs> yeah, touchdowns yeah. or score five touchdowns, like I'm worried that he got hurt like yeah. in the first quarter, you know? <laughs> um, so it's, it's crazy. I'm actually thinking about going and watching him play on Friday and uh, it'll be the first time I've seen him play. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, he's certainly dynamic uh, in the open field, but he's not just a, you know, a runner. I mean, you watch him throw and he can, you know, he can certainly throw the football. Um, you know, I think the one thing that you would uh, be cautious about is he, he plays in a wide open offense. It's one of those things, you know, a lot of these high school offenses is like uh, I compare it to like playing 500 in the <laughs> in the backyard where you run around for five minutes and then chuck it up to a wide receiver that's wide open 50 yards down the field. And, um, you know, can he actually, you know, throw timing routes with consistency and stuff that you would see at the next level. And I think that's yet to be, um, yet to be seen at a a consistent rate, but you know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of reasons to be excited about what he's doing for sure. I I think I'm a little concerned about, um, and this is, it might not be a very good comparison, but we, we saw Kyler Murray obviously at Allen down here by, by me and Adam just light it up for, for years in high school, just tear up the high school playoff, same, same type of deal. And everybody's like, Oh, he's, you know, he's the Johnny next Johnny at A&M and all this stuff. And then he goes out and it's just, I just feel like it's so hard to adapt as a freshman to a major, you know, power five college football. Like it's just the, the skill set and and just the mindset that you have to have to slow everything down is it's it's almost impossible and, and there are so few people that that can do it I, I'm just I remain a, like I th- I actually think that Sanders is probably going to start or play a lot as a freshman I'm just dubious over whether he can be you know really really good as a freshman. Well, I would say if you if you kind of go back and look at, I mean, uh, Kevin Sumlin. So when he was at Houston and and you know his early tenure at um, A and M, I mean they've kind of adapted their offense to accommodate these freshman quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. They keep they play as a freshman and then they leave as a sophomore <laughs> at A and M. But but I think you know when you break down the offense at OSU, it's very simple. Um, so I think that plays to the quarterback strengths coming in and trying to evaluate like, you know, what, what can this kid do as a freshman? Um, and I think that that should be able to give you some hope that they can come in and make an impact early because, you know, I mean, what they say, uh, OSU has 15 plays, which I don't think is true. Um, <laughs> I think they have a lot more than that, but you know, they, uh, a lot of their pass plays are designed on one side of the field, you know, like on like half field reads where, you know, really there's two reads, you know, you got a primary and then, you know, if that's covered up, then, then you, you, you move to the secondary and that's it. And then you pull down and run. Um, whereas maybe other offenses would be more complex. I also think with, with the fact that Sanders and his ability to run, um, you got justice Hill and JD King. And then also too, if you, um, if I remember right back in, uh, 
Yursich's Yursich's days back in you know Pennsylvania. He actually ran the quarterback quite a bit as well. So I would imagine that they would build in a lot of QB run stuff, and you know a lot of that is just instincts. You know, read one guy and then go. So that that, that would probably make it a little bit easier for a younger quarterback. You gonna be holding up any like OSU signs for Spencer in the stands or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing like uh, fire maybe... Yursich. You gonna have a fire Yursich sign? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I don't think that that would be a, be a positive thing. Hey, you know, no. sign with OSU in a week, and but uh, but I'm here to watch you play, and I want the offensive coordinator who you know is is running the number three offense in the country to be fired. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good look. So I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm kidding, but I was that was more of a shot at the fire years. No, I know, I, I know you're kidding, but uh, I, I think I would uh, uh, just be a casual observer. <laughs> Well, what do you what do you know about the other quarterbacks? I mean, we haven't seen Jelani Woods. We haven't we saw Wood T against South Alabama, uh, the Oil Baron as well. I mean, <laughs> if you had to predict Adam, would you, who would you say starts game one? Well, I think you know the first thing is, is there are a lot of projects. Um, I've watched almost all of those guys play in high school, which you know, I mean that that doesn't tell the whole story. You'd like to think they'd can, they'd come in and and develop into good players, um, but you know they. A lot of ability. I mean, you know, if we had a <laughs> if we had a contest of who could throw the ball farther, you know, I think that OSU would be in good position there. Um, you know, I think the problem is is that that doesn't really give you a whole lot in terms of uh, you know the skill of, of a QB um, overall. So, <clears throat> you know, I mean, Cornelius has shown that he can play. I mean, I think that people overlook him because he's a formal walk on and and he's been around for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, he can throw the ball. You know, he's got he's got really good athletic or, you know, I'd say average or above average athleticism for a guy his size. So, I mean, you know, I certainly think especially with Gundy's tendency on choosing quarterbacks, too. I mean, that's in play. Um, so you got to think that he's he's by far the number one guy that's going to be considered. And, and also too the fact that Spencer Sanders isn't coming in until, you know, July or, um, you know, enroll in there. He's not going to yeah. be an early enrollee. Um that could totally change things as well. I don't know why he's not doing that. I think that's a uh, mistake on his part. But, um, but you know, I would say that Cornelius is the guy that should start, you know, day one. It's going to be awfully hard for Spencer Sanders to come in and win a uh, win a job outright for a guy that's been on campus for four years, um, you know, in what, two months? Yeah. Uh, July and August. So I – you know, and whether it all just depend on how he plays. I mean, it could be a situation like what was it, uh, 2012 or twenty thirteen when we played three quarterbacks. Um, you know, I hope it doesn't come to that, but you never know. I mean, I think it's just all about how he plays from then on out. Gundy, so. Gundy hasn't had a quarterback controversy in like three years. He's going to play like eight quarterbacks. Like he's just going to, he's just going to do it for the hell of it. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I, I I do I agree with you about the oil baron. I, I think that he's got some. I, I don't know. Like it's such a dumb, easy comparison, but I feel like he's got a little little chelf in him. I don't know if he can be that good. Chelf was pretty good by the end of his career, um, but he can run a little. Uh, he can throw it a little. Get I, away from the cop speed. Yeah, I don't know if he's got that kind of speed, but uh, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. He was, I mean, Cornelius was uh, a stud in high school. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what his, rec- or, you know, recruiting looked like, but uh, I'm pretty sure he threw like 35, 40 touchdowns his, his senior year. So I mean, you know, 
I mean, I don't want to completely make that out to be that's that's the end all be all. But yeah. um, the fact that he's a walk on, I mean, there's other factors. Obviously, we can see with Baker Mayfield situation where just because you're a walk on doesn't mean that you're not a, a you know a good player. So um, I think to discount Taylor Cornelius would be a mistake at this point. I mean, I think it's his job to lose and and um, it, depending on how he plays, you know, through camp and potentially the first three or four games of the season will dictate, you know, where they go with the QB job. I think, so. I think the headline is Adam Lunt says Taylor Cornelius is next Baker Mayfield. <laughs> uh, I, well, Has, I, hashtag context. I, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about uh, just sort of what, you, which position group, I guess, uh, varied the most in terms of the way you viewed them coming into the season compared to how they perform. So that might be, you viewed a position group, you thought, oh, they're not going to be very good, and then they were really good. Or you viewed a position group as like, wow, they're going to be pretty good, and then they're really bad. So which one uh, least met your expectations, I guess, is the right way to put that. For me, it's it's a very easy choice, and that would be the safeties. Um, so, you know, preseason, like, let's rewind back to August. We're like, okay, um, you know, Ramon Richards moving to safety. Um, we already had, you know, Trey Flowers coming back. Um, so you're, you're sitting there thinking with, you know, Jarrell Morrow and some other of these guys with depth. Um, did I think Darius Curry ended up moving to safety as well. So that's going to be a strength coming into this season. And I think, um, you know, Trey Flowers didn't exactly – I mean, he was supposed to be a first-team all-conference guy. Um, I've seen him on a few lists. I don't think that he necessarily – um, played as well um, as he should have, or uh, as he did last year, even, and and even Ramon Richards, um, you know, he had some moments, and and his instincts are are really good, um, but I was expecting more from him as a senior, um, from a playmaker perspective, um, so that you know, I I think and that has a lot to do with you know the 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 lack of defensive success was a lot of our senior laden groups you know didn't really play up to up to par so safeties would be kind of my negative one and then staying in the secondary i think the corners um you know certainly exceeded my expectations Uh, if anything you kind of thought that it was going to be the other way around um and i think what really um surprised me was uh, you know minus let's say the k-state game Corners played pretty well, or I guess OU game too. But um, uh, you know, AJ Green, I think you know we know that he's going to be a player, even though he had a you know he had a tough game against K State. Um, I remember uh, specifically back at the end of the Iowa State game with Rodarius Williams getting picked on, um, and and you know really uh, holding up well. Um, you know, I think Rodarius Williams will be a redshirt sophomore, and AJ Green will be a true junior. I mean, those are guys that you can build a defense around in the Big Twelve moving forward. So, um, in my opinion, they certainly lived up to or, or exceeded expectations, which were low in general, but, uh, but even then, so. Yeah. I, I thought the safeties really were the undoing of the defense in November. And, uh, I thought that I agree with you. I didn't think flowers or Ramon played nearly as well down the stretch and that's why they got lit up in the secondary. Uh, who, who Adam on the roster do you think we will be talking about, uh, next season that maybe didn't play as much this year? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, trying to think, who would that be? Besides, be, besides, ty- besides Tyron, we're going to be talking about Calvin Bundage's Heisman campaign this time next year. <laughs> besides Tyron's yeah, well, he... Bolitnikov campaign starting. 
well the problem is is uh bondage you know i'm i'm the number one i'm the president of his fan club and <laughs> he, he played too much so i can't he's he's out he was basically a starter so um you know it's it's hard to pinpoint one guy um i, I really haven't I'm not even prepared to answer that. Okay. How, how about um, this? How about this? How pissed off were you at Gundy for talking to Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> As an OSU guy, how pissed I, off were you? I, I wasn't. I I really wasn't mad. Uh, you know, I I think it's one of those things where the phone rings, and you know, I respect in the fact that they oh, want to answer it. it. The, the phone and, rings. He called them. What are you talking about? I mean, is that really proven though? Did he actually call Tennessee? Tennessee's not hiring Shiano, then going, oh, wait, we're going to go hire Mike Gundy without hey, him never, telling those, him he's interested. Hey, those those agents and those administrators will call up anybody. But I, I think, you know, I was pretty confident the whole day, regardless of my opinion, that, you know, this was just a situation where, you know, he was he was listening to what they would say. Um, you know, is it frustrating as a, you know, as a fan? Absolutely. Um, is it, you know, is it unfair to the fans? Yeah, I think so. Um, but... At the same time, I think you can look at it the other way. You know, he's turning down all this money to stay here. So, um, and and I, I I think the reason why it's frustrating is because it's it's right after a disappointing season. So, that's where it's kind of like rubbing salt in the wound. It's like a disappointing season in addition to flirting with other jobs. And I think that's what really hurts. Um, but was I mad? No, not really. I I just I never thought he would leave. I think was the biggest thing. Even that morning, I was just kind of like, you know, I got a million text messages, and I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. So I never really got too worked up about it, um, because I ultimately kind of thought it would play out like it did. So I love I love that Carson is dying on that hill that Gundy <laughs> called them. That's like I have, dying. I'm, I, I'm thriving. I'm I, living. No, I'm just saying I'm you're living on the hill. I'm planting my flag on the hill. What are you talking about? You're you're Baker Mayfield in on the hill. Yeah, like I think you're naive if you think Tennessee just called him out of the blue. Well, I'm so immune. I mean, think about it. As an Oklahoma State and Florida State fan, I mean, those those two head coaches are the the biggest flirts in the high school. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. in regards yeah. to every season. So I'm kind of like just mute to the whole situation i mean and and it's almost a, it's kind of funny saying this now because jimbo fisher actually left um but uh but there's been so many years where it's just been rumored where it's just kind of like all right i'm gonna go take a nap wake me up when someone leaves type situation and i think you know i mean that's that's kind of how i view it um now it was funny um you know kind of how i'm plugged into both situations where how both fan bases kind of interpreted the the situation where i think it was fsu fans were like you know wanted to burn him at the stake and pack his bags for him for fisher whereas i think the osu fan base was certainly a little bit more torn where you know a lot had a lot you know big gundy support wanted to come back and then maybe you know 10 or 20 percent of the people were just done with them um whereas i think it was inverted in florida state so that that was kind of interesting to see the dynamics of where the fan base stood um, in each individual situation, so yeah. Well, Jimbo had done it more times, and was and, and was five and six at the time. I think if Gundy had been five and six, I think a lot more people would have been certainly uh, ready for him to go. But uh, yeah, he, you flirt that many times, you're finally going to get dumped by the fan base, and that's what happened. So yeah, um, for sure. Kyle, Kyle still thinks that, that Tennessee just flew to Dallas on, on <laughs> unbeknownst to Gundy. He believes Gundy in this. I'm. I don't know what to believe. I'm just amused by 
how how firmly you're in your corner. Like I feel like there's. Oh, I, I got I got common sense. The, <laughs> did you read the Did you read the quotes from Gundy and Gary Enix story? This is what I'm saying. This you're proving my point. Like by by, by the things that you're saying right now. Like you are like a hundred percent in in that corner. Like you have boxed yourself in. Like if you were yeah, there, if you were no, there's no doubt if you were shown the phone records of both parties. This is like a serial. We can have like a serial situation here. If you were shown the phone records of both parties, you you would you wouldn't believe them. You would say they were doctored or or, or well, I'm whatever. Not, I'm not I'm not blind. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you provide evidence, I'll I'll look at it. But I mean, all you got to do is look at those quotes that he gave to Garanee Meg where he danced around it, said it was blown out of proportion. Uh, you know why was why was his son liking and favoriting all that Tennessee stuff? I, do you think Gavin Gundy has has any <laughs> idea what's going on with his dad? No, the problem with, no, absolutely he does. Are no. you kidding me? He, 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 he does not. Me, though, it's, you, you don't think Mike said? You don't think Mike said fan that flame all you want, son? I don't care. Just just make it make it look like I'm leaving. No, I don't think I don't think that they interact like that. I think just, about your son. Think about think about him reading all the stuff on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a dark dark place. <laughs> And and think about, you know, and I th- I'm pretty sure he's pretty active on Twitter and reading all this stuff about, you know, basically lighting up your dad in regards to, to all this stuff after, especially after all that he's done for the university. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that that, that makes makes him upset. And, you know, the fact that it doesn't seem like Gundy probably gets upset that he does it. So, you know, whether yeah. he's antagonizing it or not, um you know, I think that certainly plays a role. Um, and maybe they, maybe they're just sitting there laughing at everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's just a big, uh, ordeal. Um, I don't know. Okay. But, uh, g- going back to, um, the players, Adam, I want to ask you, so Carson said, uh, give us a name of somebody who's going to, who's going to break out next year. I, I put together <clears throat> four different pairs here and I want you to pick which guy you would rather have next year. So which guy you think is going to have a better season in 2018? Okay. First one is uh, JD King and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I will go with JD King because of the, uh, like the thunder and lightning type situation. So, you know, Hill's the guy. Um, I think that King will probably hold on to that role that, uh, that secondary you know, running back and, and probably Chuba turns into more of like a compliment to Hill, like spells Hill, whereas King will have like a specific role and, and not as a backup. Does that make sense? What yep. I just said? Okay. okay. Uh, second one is Tevin Jenkins and Marcus keys. Um, and I don't know where Jenkins is going to end up. I'll, I'll say with keys because he's locked down, um, with left guard more than likely, but I really like Tevin Jenkins. I think he's going to be a, a good player. Yeah. But uh, keys by a keys by a hair. Uh, by the way, sort of a under the radar conspiracy in in uh, this season was that Jenkins was a eligible receiver in the OU game and they never used him. Yeah, that was no, crazy. It, it was I think uh, twelve plays or eleven plays. Yeah, um, he wore number ninety seven. Yeah. Um, the only reason I could tell is because how tall he was because there was no there was no uh there was no name on the back or anything like that they they did that quite a bit in that game which yeah. was which was had to be exclusively because 
oboe scares the crap out of everyone. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, no, he, he's certainly a very versatile player. Okay, next one is Dylan Stoner and Tylen Wallace. I got to go with Stoner. It's my guy. Yeah. He's, he's, I think, to be honest with you, to circle back to Carson's question, I, I think, I know he had a, a good season, but I think Stoner is is going to be poised for a like a 2016 Jalen McCleskey type, mm. you know, where he catches 75 balls or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I would go Stoner there, even though I know Wallace is a, um, an exciting name. So, uh, And then the last one, Malcolm Rodriguez and the the freshman whose name I can't pronounce, the other 28, uh, Tabo, Tabo. Monwaiki. But how do you say his Man. last name? Uh, Tabo. Tabo <laughs> Tabo. Tabo M. Um, you know, Tabo, he, he probably would be a really good person uh, to name out as well um, for kind of a breakout. Um, if anything, I think you could make a case that he played better than some of the senior safeties we had in, in limited action. So, um, you know, with all respect to, to Malcolm Rodriguez, we've heard great things. Just haven't seen enough of him to be able to um, to say one or the other. So I'll, I'll go with Tabo there. And he's, he, I think... People should be excited about him. He's he's shown yeah. a lot. Yeah. So. Um, did you like? Go ahead, Carson. Sorry. Uh, last one I got. Just did you faint like I did for the Curse of Cowboys basketball <laughs> uniforms? <laughs> they they're they're pretty awesome. My favorite part, oddly enough, for the shorts is that a weird uh, take? No. No. Okay. They're fantastic. It, we asked if not- you bought them on Amazon. <laughs> True. Um, but it's not like, you know, the cursive, everyone goes crazy because it's on the jersey. And, and although I like it, uh, I don't know. I mean, I really like it. I, I think that the, the shorts, I don't know, they just take me back to a really good uniform era, I feel like, um, with those shorts. So, um, so I definitely, you know, they, they need to wear those, you know, at least 50% of the time at home. Is that, is that overdoing it? or That's underdoing it. 100%. 100% <laughs> of the time. Well, I know Carson. You you like the the teal uniform, so they'll have to work <laughs> those. Into... <laughs> no, throw those throw those in the bowels of Gallagher Iba in the the old the old basement that supposedly is underneath Gallagher Iba. Put them put them down there for till next November, and we'll be good. I wish we we need to come up with some elaborate uh, conspiracy in which we convince Carson that the football team is going to wear the teal next November, in like for like for a <laughs> oh home my game. God. Oh gosh. <laughs> There's enough. There's enough nightmares. You don't need to add enough. Uh, the old timers would. The old timers would boycott. They would just leave. <laughs> there was teal so, football uniforms. So this is a hot sports uh, uniform uh, observation here, and I'm not a big uniform guy in general. But um, did you guys see the uh, um, the combos from the recruit, like the twelve recruits that took a picture? Someone was wearing the uh, uh, white helmet, orange uh, orange jersey, orange pants. How would it look if you had that that full Pete helmet from the first game of the season and then orange jersey, orange pants? That would be slick in my opinion. That would be jumped off the, it, it jumped off the page that that recruit was wearing that combo. And I, believe me, I studied I studied that picture like the Zapruder <laughs> film. I don't know if that's the helmet he was wearing, but for some reason that really popped as like Yeah, no, he I was. Want... He was wearing he was wearing that orange orange. It looked fantastic. The, what do you call? What would that be called? Like the Patriot Pete or something? Yeah, Patriot Pete, orange, yeah. orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that good. it's it's certainly better than the the tiny or tiny Pete on the orange helmet that they wore for homecoming a couple of years ago. 
Little bit, little Bo Pete. Little Bo, that was so bad. Um, How many Pete's are we up to? There's Is that like five too, or six. Too many, too many. <laughs> there's Scary Pete. There's Gargantuan Pete. There's Little Bo Pete. I see. I see White Pete. There's Icy White Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's he's Gargantuan too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, that's all we got for you, Adam. Appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully. Spencer Sanders will uh, will lead Denton Ryan to a victory this weekend because I would like to uh, attend the state title the following week. Maybe we can maybe we can head out there together and and catch catch some of the future at uh, at Jerry World. Yeah, hopefully he can get some um, revenge. He he lost to um, Jerry Jones's grandson last year. Yeah, in the Highland state Park. title game, tore his ACL and uh, and they're playing again this week. And uh, I'm not quite sure who's on the other side of the bracket who they potentially would face if they won, but certainly will be a you know, a good game. I actually watched a little bit of the Highland Park game uh, last week, so um, they, he, got, he got dinged up a little bit. But do they uh, play that at uh, Jerry World? Yeah, or is that oh, the so Star? No, the it'll Jerry be Jerry World. World. Yeah, Jerry Ooh, World. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna head out there Friday and and all that, and then you know, looking forward to the bowl game too. Uh, I think uh, it'll be a, um, you know a real nice matchup with. Um, you know, with those you offense versus Bud Foster's defense, and I'm not as high as Fuente as some others, but that'll certainly be uh, an interesting, um, interesting look into you know against an elite defense. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, coming up, number so. I think number two or three offense against number five or six defense. So, and Bud Foster's the type of guy that could could cause issues. You know, because if you'd looked in the past. Mike Yersich's offense has really struggled against, you know, really, really well-coached defenses. So um, certainly something to uh, keep an eye on. So oh, goody. That'll go well. <laughs> you know, I, I, okay, Adam, appreciate your time, and uh, we will uh, talk to you again, hopefully before the NFL draft. All right, guys. All right, Take everybody. care. See you, dude. Okay, Carson, I have an answer to your shorts question from earlier from Chris's. Uh, but first, I'm going to tease it. Let's hear from Chris's, uh, and then we will uh, come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, good news, bad news. Bad news is... It, the shorts are probably a Nike exclusive and they don't think that Nike will even retail them. Mm. The good news is that uh, is that uh, Chris is used to do a basic print of them uh, that looks similar and they're going to see if they can get it approved. Ooh. So I don't know what a basic print looks like. I don't know if that's close or just, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Swoosh, but with no swoosh. I, I think no swoosh. Oh. So it's I don't know. We'll see if you can approve him to send it to my house, and I'll <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> hey, we forgot to ask Lunt what type of beer he likes, but I texted him and he said he wants the horny toad. So let's cheers a, a horny toad. Yes, blonde. Good call. Man Lunt. I think we I think we asked him that last time, and it was like before the TCU game, so he was hesitant to throw it out there. 
Um, yeah, now he can say it freely. Yeah, so the horny toad. It's a good one. I like that one a lot. Um, okay, what did we forget? Oh, not much. I mean, I think that's about it, but I, I did want to get your take on the Gundy Garanemig uh, article where he discussed his uh, what he called blown out of proportion talks with Tennessee. Yeah, so, so here's the problem. Um, Gundy, I think, has done a really good job the last three or four years of being forthright and honest and just telling, giving people legitimate answers to questions they ask. Um, that's been, I, I think you and I would agree, the case for most of the last three or four years. And so when stuff like this happens and it's and it's fairly clear that there's a lot more than, than meets the eye, like a lot more going on behind the scenes, it becomes difficult to decipher like what Gundy is actually saying. And so he either comes off like a crazy person, which I think is what, what happened in that article where he's like screaming across the street, like it got blown out of proportion. And you're like, what, what's going on? Um, or he comes off just as sort of like, um, I don't uh, dishonest in a, in in a sense, and, I, he's, and it, he's sly like a fox. Yeah, and 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 I and smart I smart like a fox. Like I, guess, I get that you can't reveal everything. Like I totally get that, but it just the way it comes off is a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Just doesn't come off as as well as as uh, maybe it should. He's smart like a fox. I mean, there's one thing I've learned, or we've learned rather, about Gundy in the past few years. He's very smart. He has this persona that he's you know hunting turtles and is this happy-go-lucky country bumpkin, but he's actually really smart, and I think he knew what he was doing. Uh, I do agree that he can't come out and say, like, look, Florida offered me the job, Tennessee offered me the job, but I got more money at OSU, so I'm staying. He can't come out and say that, but uh, I don't know. I just – I didn't buy a word he said, really. But <laughs> so blown out of proportion, I mean – it, it got blown into proper proportion. I mean, you were you were offered a $7 million contract. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Now, like, so... It, it doesn't get to... You don't get offered $7 million per year unless you are telling them you are thinking of leaving or you, you will leave if you offer me a certain amount of money. Like, you don't even get to that point. Like, Tennessee doesn't just offer you that by calling you up. Like, you have to sit down and discuss the job with them for yeah, but, them to offer you but that you're, money. But you're, the, the corner that you're in is that Gundy went to them. So yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't that have to make it, like, inc- like, like, wouldn't he have to basically be like, I'm coming if you give me seven mil, and then say, just kidding, I'm not coming? Like, it, like isn't that sort of the, the, the box that you've put yourself in with, with thinking both things? No, I mean, that you, that's called contract negotiations. Like, hey, I got a number. It's close to this. Can you get there? And they get there and say, well, let me think about it. I go home and talk to my wife. Uh, not taking it. See ya. That's that's contract 101. I mean, that's that's not far-fetched at all. Yeah. And again, I don't really, I don't really care because I don't think in hindsight he was ever leaving. But this notion that Tennessee was just head over heels over Mike Gundy just just because he's this excellent football coach is is not reality. Like th- there's like they're not just calling him out of the blue. Like you have to be vetted for that to happen. Like they didn't just say, "Well, Shiano turned us down." Hell, let's go get the guy with the mullet. He's done a great job at OSU. <laughs> I think their their heads are spinning because of the Shiano fiasco, and Gundy sees an opportunity there for leverage. 
and he took it, and that's that's what happened. I, you'll never convince me otherwise. Yeah, I think that's a. I, I, look, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I'm not on the other side. I just you act like I, you act like I'm like out on this limb. Like no, that's some crazy take. No, I don't think it's a crazy take at all. I just I just love how confident you are in it. Like well, I, that, I, I that... come strong with my opinions, <laughs> unlike you. I don't waffle. <laughs> About how I about how I fired Yursich and then like rehired him in consecutive yeah, weeks. Yeah, you, you you already died and were buried <laughs> on Yursich Mountain or Yursich Hill, <laughs> and now you're ready to get rid of him. It's astonishing. Like they had to dig you up out of Yursich Hill. <laughs> I, I I'm having to defend Mike Yursich. I cannot believe that <laughs> the roles had reversed. That might, that might top the uh, the junior thing is my favorite thing you've ever said on this. Podcast. I'm over I'm over here sprinting up Yursich Hill while you're rolling down it. <laughs> you're doing like the log roll down Yursich Hill. While I'm sprinting to the top, trying to wave my flag. Uh, my Mike, my Mikey Y flag. That's so good. That's that's fantastic. Um, okay, I'll leave you with this. Just got an email. The most, uh, the team with the, the most money bet on that, not the most money, but the team who the most people have bet on in terms of percentage uh, for the bowl games is Oklahoma State. <clears throat> Ooh, that's not good. They're a six point favorite over Virginia Tech, and 93% of people who have bet on the game have bet on Oklahoma State. <laughs> wow. That's so, not a good sign. Yeah. It usually goes the other way. Yeah, not good. But I will say Virginia Tech's offense is so bad yeah. that if OSU just plays with a pulse on defense, they should they should win the game. Yeah. But so. who knows? Um, I'll be there. I'll be at Camping World Bowl. Yeah, there we go. Okay, Carson, uh, we will try to um, get another one of these done this week. Um, before this, you go to King's Landing? Or before I get a uh, Nova Scotia is where you had me, I think. Before you go to Nova Scotia. <laughs> Uh, but if not, then uh, we will chat again next week. Sounds good, man. All right, dude. Talk to you later. See ya.